Welcome to Stuff from the Science Lab from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey guys, and welcome to the podcast. This is Allison Laddermilk, the science editor at HowStuffWorks.com. And this is Robert Lamb, science writer at HowStuffWorks.com. And today we are going to be trading some amazing infestation stories. Have you had any infestations at your house before? I wouldn't necessarily call them infestations, but sure, we've had, you know, various vermin and pests invade our home. Yeah. Like what? What, what have you Well, had? I did live in New York for a while, so, uh-huh. um, I've dealt with my rats. fair share. No, I've never had rats. Well, it's New York. It's in, in rats a everywhere, right? Well, of course, but. I mean, especially on garbage night, the night that, you know, people mm-hmm. set out there, you'd have to, you'd be walking across the sidewalk, <clears throat> you know, on your way to whatever it is you were doing in the city. And the rats would come out there, you know, crawl out from little alleys to, to get to the garbage that was by the curb on the sidewalk. Oh, delightful. It was terrible. It was quite terrible. What now, about you? Well, Do you have some infestation um, stories. Well, rats, this is kind of, an, this brings up an interesting story. I, I grew up, I spent a lot of my growing up in the country, if you will. Uh, more of a country mouse. In a country setting. Yes. So, uh, so I was used to squirrels, right? And then, uh, you know, a few years back, moved down to Atlanta. Uh-huh. And, uh, uh-huh. I was, I had to drop off my, uh, my girlfriend at the time, now wife, uh, for a uh, photo assignment. Okay. And, uh, and this was like downtown Atlanta. And I pulled the car into one of these little parking lots. It's kind of halfway stuck between this place, you know, kind of an urban contested space. Yeah. You know, and, uh, it's near a MARTA track, which for you non-Atlanteans is the public transportation down here. And, uh, I, I heard something rummaging around over, and I'm like, oh, squirrels. So I go over to look at the squirrels. And why would you do that? Well, cause I was new to the city. I'm just not used to being around rats all that much. So I'm like, oh, I'll see what the squirrels are up to. And what do I see when I get over there? Marta rat eating a diaper. <laughs> so that was, that was kind of a traumatic welcome to the city moment. Um, luckily uh, we've not dealt with infestations of rats, but we have had some squirrels in the attic, which we dealt with, with, uh, some sort of pepper sprinkles. Yeah, you know, a friend of mine um, actually thought she had an infestation of flying squirrels in her <laughs> attic, which I, I thought was pretty hilarious. <clears throat> but it turned out that she was a little deluded and uh, there were rats instead. Why flying squirrels? We don't have flying squirrels. Around. I think she just could tolerate the idea of flying squirrels. Like, why not lemurs in- if it, you're going to, you know, go into fantasy land with it? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I think she did get rid of them. So today we're going to talk about some more... Historic gnarly infestations. Um, well, and yeah, some of them are pretty recent. So uh, these are these are really hellish infestations in some cases. Um, some pretty severe examples that uh, make our dealings with squirrels, martyr rats, and flying squirrels um, seem rather uh, mundane. Yeah. And uh, yes, yeah, so I'm going to kick off with the first one. If caterpillars. You don't mind. Uh, yes, caterpillars in northern Liberia. This just uh, yeah last year, uh, January 2009. Um, thousands of Liberian villagers uh, uh, fled, uh, like wasted farms, overrun homes, um, and like and pushed towards uh, uh, towards the border um, because uh, there were just squirming masses of these black hairy caterpillars just eating everything. They were even uh, like falling into wells, fouling up the water supply. Oh man! And, and not just their, their bodies, but like their their feces, like caterpillar feces, was poisoning the wells and waterways. So it's just like, you know, like scorched earth, thanks to this caterpillar infestation. So did they try to stop them? 
well, they're they're pretty uh, they're pretty tough to stop. We're talking like forty six villages were hit by these. They had aid teams, you know, trying to clean clean up the the areas and all. And uh, but but the, the key would be to hunt down um, the winged adult moths that go off and spread even more of this. Okay. The winged moths that uh, that spread the the problem even even uh, farther. They travel by night. They breed rapidly, and they also get really high up in the tree canopies, and it makes it harder to hit them with pesticide. So it was just a, uh, a foul situation for uh, everybody involved. It sounds like a crazy caterpillar. Yeah. So, you know, why don't we stick with the bug world, and I'll talk about termites. Here, okay. in, here in Georgia, we are quite, quite familiar with termites. In fact, um, when you buy a new house, you need to have a, a termite bond, which kind of freaked me out because uh, I bought my first house in, in Georgia. And I remember thinking about this a lot and, like, scanning all the foundation walls for the tunnels and whatever. Um, but seems like pretty much every house down in the south has had termite damage at some point or another, as long as it's old enough. So termites are ubiquitous. They're found all over the place. They're found in China. They're found in the continental U- United States. They're also even found in you know places like South Africa or Hawaii. Um, and termites, what do they like to eat? They like to eat wood. But Yeah, we, we know that from the uh, the cartoons. There was some cartoon, I forget if it was Mickey or... Or uh, Bugs Bunny, where they had the situation where it's like they're fighting the termites, they end up building like a, maybe it was Tom and Jerry, where they build like a metal house. That sounds like more Tom and Jerry, I would think. Not Mickey. So anyway, so termites build these huge underground nests. They can be as big as like 300 feet, and they make these nests out of kind of their own homegrown concrete. It's like dirt and plant matter and feces and saliva, all that good stuff. So they build this home base, and then they spread out, and they start munching on anything from, you know, a tree to a a high rise. And then once a year they take to the skies and they establish more colonies. So humans have built a lot of civilization from wood. You guys know this. And termites have happily threatened to bring a lot of that civilization crashing down. Um, most notably and pretty interestingly, in 2005 we had Hurricane Katrina. You guys all remember that. Mm-hmm. Well, in fact, termites might have been implicated in the hurricane. Um, and that's because they had apparently ravaged sections of the flood barriers um, to the point of weakness. And this isn't a new behavior. In fact, the termites had already feasted on Chinese levees like in the early 1950s. So it's a bigger deal than you might think. It's affecting more than your house. It's affecting, you yeah. know, structural things. Infrastructure, that are, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, those are two examples of some pretty sucky insects, really. Um, so let's move on to what we generally think of as a less sucky insect. That would be the uh, the, the honeybee. Okay. Um, you know, nice, clean civilization going on there and produces delicious honey, right? You know, and we like to cultivate them yes. and uh, have them grow their own honey and then steal it from them <laughs> and uh, and sell it in little bear-shaped jars for some ungodly reason. So uh, 1956, uh, the Brazilian government uh, asked a geneticist by the name of Dr. Uh, Warwick Kerr to uh, breed a new kind of honeybee that would thrive down there and be really uh, effective. What does Dr. Care come up with? Well, it's it's like something out of a like a mad science movie. All right, Jeff Goldblum starring. Yeah, like I, I would imagine uh, Goldblum playing. Well, either Goldblum would play play uh, the doctor, or he would play like the, uh, you know, the mathematician who's like, you can't breed these two bees <laughs> because they're gonna. You know, he would be really manic and awesome about it. But uh, anyway, so Care across the African honeybee with a European honeybee. Okay. All right. To create the Africanized honeybee. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, which we, of course, know now as the killer bee. So it ended up being a really uh, effective uh, bee, but also just uh, like a really uh, aggressive, expansionist bee. How fast are we talking? Uh, we're talking 200 miles per year. Oh, wow. Which, you know, for bees, I mean, these guys are small. Um, 
And uh, by the 1990s, they'd conquered uh, all of South and Central America and were busy establishing uh, their hives in the southern United States. Uh, this is the kind of thing that made a lot of uh, killer bees, I think, think were a big trend with the news programs for a while. Uh, but I don't, I don't think I was old enough to really appreciate them at the time or to be fearful. But uh, it's not just uh, you know a senseless moniker. These these guys can be deadly because they're uh, they're far more defensive and just and far more aggressive. You know, a guy will be out on his tractor or something, and they'll um, they'll react to the, the the sound and just like in mass, you know, go and uh, and swarm him. How big are those swarms? We're talking thousands in a swarm, like tens of thousands, thirty thousand killer bees in a swarm, um, just coming after anything that's close enough to. You know, make a kind of make a loud noise or or whatever that's going to freak them out. You know, the real tragedy here that it's not just people that are affected by this, but but other um, bee and honeybee uh, colonies that uh, just get wiped out in the wake of the killer bees because they're that effective and they just grow through an area and bam, they're the dominant uh, bee. So let's just bury those bees and wander over to uh, a new species, the the red crab, the yes. crimson crab, over on Christmas Island. The Christmas Island red crab. Yes, indeed. Christmas Island, for those of you guys not aware of it, is an Australian island in the Indian Ocean. And for residents of Christmas Island, it's kind of a festive-sounding place. Yeah, there's even a song about it. Is How'd there? you like to spend Christmas on Christmas Island? Yeah. Oh, right, yeah. right. I had forgotten about that. Well, their holiday season kicks off, not necessarily with that song, but uh, with an invasion of mm, 120 million red crabs each November. And these crabs come running pell-mell through cities and towns determined to get it on crab style, essentially. So it's not always the case. Usually the land crabs are hanging out in the rainforest just looking for food, but every year they have to they have to reproduce, right? So they make this arduous trek to the beach to lay and fertilize some eggs. And as they go, they flood the streets, they march into your homes, they wander into closets and maybe hang out under your bed, and basically nowhere is safe for a few days. So that that really doesn't sound too fun to me. I can't imagine like crunching through crabs as you're walking down the street. Yeah, and then once the uh once the babies are born. Right. So that's the really first crazy. wave yeah. is is when the the adults come out to lay their eggs, but then you have the babies being born. So you have all these eggs finally hatching and you have round 2. So all the adult crabs have since gone back to the forest, but uh all the babies are are coming out and they invade from the sea. They come from the tides. And, I mean, it's just like this wreathing mass of crab larvae. It's, you know, it's, it's maybe not so attractive to somebody like me. But it is a wonder of nature, no doubt. The uh, cats just go nuts for it because it's just, you know, constant batting at crabs for days. You always have to work in a cat reference to a Well, I, I actually saw a video that, like, the, the second wave's coming through, and it just looks like it's like moving sand or like, an, oh, wow. like a flood of lentils or something, you know? And then there's, there's this cat just going completely crazy, uh, swatting at this, this stream of crabs. Well, and just to give you a, an idea of the scope, each female produces about um, 100,000 babies, so the second wave is even more massive. And then the newborns will eventually go back to the forest, um, as their parents do, but basically they blanket the roads and towns for, for days. It's, um, it's interesting too. I read that, um, that numbers have actually been down in recent years. No kidding. Uh, and they're blaming this on, um, an invasive species called the, and I'm not making this up, the yellow crazy ant. Oh, the yellow crazy ant. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, we often get been out of shape over the over invasive species, generally with good reason, because we're generally the cause of an invasive species. 
Um, but uh, they say that if you look at the history books, you don't see uh, as you don't see mention of uh, this massive red crab tide on Christmas Island, and that's be- and they think it's because uh, um, a breed of rat called uh, McClear's rat mm-hmm. went extinct there in 1903. Oh, so it used to keep the population. in Yeah, check. they think that this <clears throat> this rat kept the, the population in check for the long for the longest, and then when uh, when that rat went extinct, bam, population explosion. Okay. And now we have an invasive species that's uh, come in and kind of put things back into balance, perhaps. Uh, time will tell. So let's move on to something else, uh, something a little more furry and disgusting, perhaps. How about mice? Ooh, how about mice? Uh, I actually saw a mouse uh, in the house. Um, mouse in the house? Yeah, about, maybe it was a year ago. But we got those little uh, plug-in things that may or may not work. What plug-in and, things? Oh, uh, they make a little noise. Like they mouse make a, in the house? They, they make, no. <laughs> Is it like a right. mouse doorbell? It's, like, no, hello? it's like a little like a little speaker you plug in, and it supposedly makes uh, a high-pitched noise that only affects rodents. Oh, okay. Um, but I've read some things where people were saying, hey, these don't work. I, I don't know. All I know is that the cat didn't care that there was a mouse in the house, so we had to do something else about it. Um, oh, you don't have a mouse or cat? No, no. She'll bring in the occasional chipmunk, but that's it. But these problems are nothing compared to what they get in Australia, uh, where they, and, and again, you really have to see a video of this to, to get the full impression, but they have these, uh, these regular just floods of mice. A mice plague. The, yes, the great mice plagues of Australia. Like, imagine opening a barn door and the barn just vomiting out just blankets of and blankets of mice. Oh, that's Just disgusting. scurrying and squeaking in every direction. You can't even step anywhere because they're like little bodies underneath foot, underneath your feet the whole time, like a living carpet. Uh, these these occur uh, roughly every three years in Australia. Uh, they run in through the, the grain-growing regions and cause and get this upwards of $150 million well, in damage. Well, sure. Absolutely. And they'll they'll go like kind of like the crabs. They'll just flow through anything they can get into, except uh, uh, you know they're they're mice. They're a little better at getting into things. Like the the red crabs of Christmas Island, these uh, these things reproduce like crazy. They can breed six weeks after birth, and a single pair of mice can produce five hundred offspring in just twenty one weeks. Uh, it's basically we're talking a, a thousand mice for every two point five acres of land. Holy cow! So I mean, they pull out all the stops to fight these things. Uh, we're talking chemicals, even flamethrowers. You can find, you know, no joke. You can find videos of this. Australian farmers coming out with the flamethrower, hosing them down with oh, fire. Oh gosh! And I mean, it's like something out of, uh, you know, generally you only keep flamethrowers around for alien infestations, but but they use them on mice. So. And oh, wait, wait. There's one more thing. Get this. The, the, another just astounding fact here. Austra- one Australian village reportedly killed 544 tons of mice in just five months. Just think of like the sheer volume of <gasps> disgusting like mouse tonnage there. That's, That's a lot horrible. of mouse tonnage. But I'm sorry. We really need to move on to other disgusting furry things. Like rats. Yep. They're larger brethren. So we can't get through this podcast without mentioning the Rat King uh, of medieval Germanic folklore. And Robert, I know you love the Rat King. I don't really know why. Well, it's just it's. Uh, I mean, it's it's Germanic. It's medieval. It's it's linked to plague. It's right. So a Rat King was basically you have several rats that are joined by tangled and broken tails. Yeah, it's like if you put like when you keep yarn in a drawer and then you open it up and all the yarn is tangled. Except in this case, there's like. Um, Fecal matter and grime holding blood, holding it all together. Okay, too. that's disgusting. So, rat, rat kings are basically fictional, but the 
the the folklore went well, that cryptozoological anyway. I mean, there's some people that make heavy. They actually have specimens that are probably fake, but still, they have specimens of these like. These horrible dead rats kind of like mummified and like tangled together. Moving on, moving on. The, according to folklore, if you saw one of these rat kings and that meant you had a pretty bad rat problem on your hands. And probably plague, which would probably be a good guess if you had enough rats that where you, they can't even like congregate in the same area without getting inter- intertwined. You probably would have some, uh, some sort of, uh, hideous diseases on hand. Right. Yeah. So you, so you have some serious bubonic plague going back in medieval times and today rats as we know, haven't gone anywhere. They're stuck around to keep spreading disease and mess with our urban infrastructure and pretty much everything else. Clearly, we have a pretty successful species on our hands. Even with sanitation and pest control, we just keep on having rat infestations, and I'm sure they're not going to go anywhere. So one of the most interesting infestations um, actually occurred at the Paris Zoo back in 2004. Um, So employees of the zoo went on strike. And why did they go on strike? Well, because there are swarms of rats. Uh, Parisian rats, as it were. Swarms of Parisian rats were their key complaint. And so the Paris Zoo said, okay. Um, so they had to have the animals transferred to other zoos temporarily. Because the a- the animals of, of the zoo were endangered. They were terrorized by these crazy <laughs> hordes of rats. So you had, you know, the lions, the tigers, and the bears evacuated to protect them from these, you know, squeaking, gnawing hordes. Yeah, I think that's all you, all you really have to know about the rat is that, uh, in, in the modern age, um, things like lions, uh, and elephants, the great beasts of the jungle are, are, you know, protected in cages by their human masters. Meanwhile, the, uh, the rats just run willy-nilly over everything and, uh, pretty much rule the earth. Yeah. So that's rats. What about monkeys? Oh, yeah. The, the monkeys, this one, I don't know. This is, at, this is actually more awesome than the rat king in that it is true. Um, and that's that if you, uh, if you go to New Delhi, you'll find a city overrun with wild rhesus monkeys. And I mean, it's to the point where people have, uh, have caged, have caged windows, you know, bars in the windows sure. and doors to keep the monkeys out of their homes. Because, uh, I mean, just like, uh, on a pretty regular basis, uh, these, these monkeys are, are breaking into the homes and businesses. Uh, they're biting and clawing for bits of food and drink, you know, and, you know, it, it's, they're totally destructive. Um, there have been ex- uh, situations where they've flung HIV-infected blood samples in laboratories. They've thrown top-secret documents around. <laughs> and in 2007... I'm sorry, but that last one kind of cracks me up. Yeah, I, I mean, it's like, where are you keeping your top-secret documents if, you know, if a monkey rampage could considerably, could, could possibly, uh, you know... Am I the only one up? thinking of Curious George right now? Like Curious George and the top-secret documents? I don't, I don't remember that one. Where's the man in the yellow hat when you need him? In 2007, a senior Indian official fell to his death from a balcony when monkeys ambushed his home. Oh, so that's it's like terrible. people are dying, and you know, and top secret documents are getting <laughs> mishandled. By yeah. Curious George. Um, so yeah, they 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 they're running in the streets, they're running in the subways, and the, the people of New Delhi have long held the monkeys sacred. Oh, so extermination Lord. isn't really an option. But then people aren't, you know, it's really been a struggle to sort of pick up the the other end of let's actually like like spay and neuter some monkeys, you know, or you know do something to control the uh, population through sterilization. Um, well, maybe maybe they just need some yellow crazy ants. Well, interesting that you mentioned that. Um, um, you know, for, for years they would have catchers that would uh, go out there, monkey catchers that would uh, go out there and, and catch the animals, put them in cages. Okay. Um, but many home and business owners have actually, it's, it's like a monkey arms race. All right. So the Reese's monkeys are running wild. Well, 
uh, why don't I just get a larger monkey to protect me from the, 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 the little crazy monkeys? So you have situations where people will have a, um, a black-faced langur monkey, and they'll have it chained out in front of their uh, business to guard it. So it's kind of like an Indian pit bull. Yeah, it's like they'll yeah, and it, to to keep the other monkeys away, and people actually end up like walking one of these guys on a leash to keep. And it's like it's just a straight up monkey arm race, and it's uh, and, and it's it's horrifying. What next? What's the next step after the black faced langur? Are people gonna get like gorillas? And I mean, it's crazy, but that's what you get with infestations. So I, I think we've given you guys some pretty good examples of gnarly infestations. And I'm assuming those are infestations that we wouldn't care for. I mean, do any of you guys want 120 million red crabs carousing through your streets? I'm assuming you wouldn't, right? But I have to ask, Robert, what's your ideal infestation? Ideal infestation? Yeah, if you have to pick one. Well, I'm I'm reminded of uh, Mitch Hedberg's bit about uh, how um, he wished that... Who's Mitch Hedberg? Uh, Mitch Hedberg is uh, the, the late, great... Uh, Stand-up comedian. Okay. And he had this whole bit about how he he would uh, he would totally dig a koala bear infestation <laughs> because it would be the cutest infestation ever. Um, that being said, uh, I hear that koala bears can be kind of stinky. Um, so I'm thinking, as adorable as a koala infestation might look, that it might smell kind of nasty. So you're not going with koala bears. What no, are you going with? I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with the gecko. Um, really? Yeah, because I mean, I I applied some thought to this, and I, I I was thinking like, all right, I love scallops, maybe an infestation of scallops, <sighs> but that's not really like practical. How are they going to live in my house? You know, are they going to be in the bathtub? I don't know. Maybe okay, so maybe I'd go for the scallop infestation, but the gecko infestation actually happens, um, like in the Philippines and Singapore, and they basically just like eat insects, and I don't like insects living in my house. Geckos. They're going to crap on some stuff, sure, and I might step on one occasionally, but uh, the lizards are kind of cute, right? And they kind of blend in with things. So if one were to, like, walk across the TV screen during the movie, it might, like, blend into Sigourney Weaver and everything would be cool. Okay. Want to know about my idea? Yes, what, what do you got? Okay, well, it's funny you should mention um, the whole water aspect because I was thinking dolphins, right? I like dolphins. Mm-hmm. I think they'd be, you know, pretty social animals, fun yeah. to hang out with. They could teach me some new tricks, etc. but... Clearly, the water is going to be a tough, a tough issue in the They're household. Pretty smart too. That's a pretty smart are you, animal. Are you getting at something? Well, I mean, it's like the monkeys are a, a problem, and they're like crafty and all. So it's like, I mean, what's the dolphin going to be doing in your house? Is it going to so be? So it's like, going to be like eating my food in the fridge. Yeah, and stuff? like where the tilapia go. Oh, dolphins. Okay. Well, so I discarded. How's the dog going to get along with dolphins? I'm not sure. There could be a, a face-off. So I, I discarded the dolphin infestation, and then I realized that. I'm pretty much already infested, as are you, as is our producer, producer Jerry, as is, you know, everyone. We have a bodily infestation on our hands, and what is it? Bacteria! Oh. Yeah. So that's good. Well, mostly. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of bacteria, yeah. generally speaking. And, in fact, since summer 2008, I mean, how many bacteria are we talking in this infestation? Well, a bunch of microbiologists got together and announced that a regular healthy adult, and let's let's say you, mm-hmm. the adult, the bacteria inside the body outnumber human cell, cells on a scale of ten to one. Wow! So I, I'd call that an infestation. Yeah, like I would, I would hate to have geckos outnumbering my cells ten to one. That would be a lot of geckos in one house. Yeah, indeed it would be. So I think that about wraps it up. Yeah. So if you're interested in reading about, I don't know, roaches, rats, or ten ways to bug-proof your home. Head on over to HowStuffWorks.com. Yeah, or uh, check 
Check out the blogs as well, where uh, you can read about everything from uh, stocking stuffers for scientists to the P-Funk mothership. And hey, if you'd like to tell us about an infestation of your own, bodily or otherwise, send us an email at sciencestuff at howstuffworks.com. That's all we got. Thanks for listening, guys. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more HowStuffWorks? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage.